Welcome to another episode of the Finding Hope Podcast from Rogue Retreat. Podcast hosting service is Anchor.fm. You can hear this podcast on many providers such as Stitcher, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Music courtesy of Jason Shaw. And now we continue with the latest episode of Finding Hope. Good morning, Matt Voter Strauss and Cindy. And I'm very happy that we finally got her to connect with us. And you know, we're we're we cries. We, it wasn't for a lack of trying. It was not for a lack of trying. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, some of our best podcasts have come out of, you know, uh, screw ups. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm very happy, and I, and I understand. I'm going to start things out this way. A little birdie told me that this is a special, special time for Cindy. With, with respect to Rogue Retreat. Matt, would you care to share that with us? Well, um, I heard a little rumor the other day that it was her 11-year work anniversary, um, but I also happened to know that there was a number of years of volunteer work that went in ahead of the, the work anniversary start date. Um, but Cindy, you've done a lot of service here for Rogue Retreat, and you've done pretty much every single job that we've had. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about how your journey with Rogue Retreat started? And by the way, and congratulations on your work anniversary. Oh. <laughs> yes, let me say that also, because she's a special, special person around the area. And, I, and I'll tell you the same thing that I told Matt earlier today. Um, um, Cindy is the equivalent that vinegar is to fish and chips. If you know about that. And that means you're special. <laughs> Basically, you're like the special ingredient to fish and chips is what you're That's saying. right. Um, <laughs> no, um, we were actually just talking um, on the way as I was driving in. Um, that one of my favorite things when I get to meet people that have been through our programs before, especially people that you case manage, is most all of them have a very similar story of when I first got Cindy as my case manager, I was terrified of her. And then usually by the end of their time in the program, they absolutely adore you. Um, You know, and I think that's a testament to who you are as an individual, but you've done a lot of different things for Rogue Retreat from the case management that you're doing to um, property management, to facilities management, (laughs) to thrift store manager, um, you've pretty much worn every hat that you could possibly have here. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your journey with Rogue Retreat has been like? How did you get involved in this work? <laughs> <laughs> um, it started when I was in service at Set Free with Pastor Chad. Um, I was doing many, many things there too, driving the bus, janitorial, running the kids' zone. And then somewhere along the line, um, Rover Treat developed. I know the story, but it's Chad's story to tell um, how it all came about. And uh, I don't know, maybe because of my in-service in the church, he approached me about helping out. So we had the Riverside building, and um, we had zero income. Harold was with us, 
And um, I was trying to keep that building together basically with duct tape and bailing twine. <laughs> there was no income. I had the tools um, and the ability. Um, I remember one specific leak we had. I tore the ceiling out above the shower and waited, watched, and you turn the shower on, let me know. I'm going to come look. Never did find it. <laughs> it was like the worst of the worst. And then um, they approached me to manage a house over on Ivy, and I'm a homeowner, so I was basically spending the night, well, I was actually there, yeah, I was spending the night because um, I work other jobs during the day, I'm an in-home care provider. So um, I managed medication, I only had to call the police one time to have somebody removed, and the odd story about that is when we were driving up there, I'm going, this sure seems familiar. It's like deja vu. Turns out the house that was our women's house was a rental I lived in seven years prior. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew it. <laughs> yeah, it could only happen to me. And I, was, and I was staying in the same room I lived in when I lived there. Oh, so um, from there, we went over to Mace in Central Point. And uh, I was living in a converted garage and uh, staying with the girls and running the program in there, although there was no program on paper. It was basically clean and silver living, keeping an eye on them, nailing windows shut so they can't sneak out, (laughs) (laughs) or people in. Um, And I thought, this is crazy. I own a four-bedroom, two-bath house. Why don't we move over there, and instead of paying this guy rent, you can pay towards my mortgage, and I can live in my own house. So we started converting it, and three of the girls went with us. And I don't know what happened or how Chad might, but um, it didn't, it just exhausted itself. And so then they started remodeling. Um, I went about my business, working my in-home care, and they remodeled uh, Riverside. And so then I get a phone call and it's Chad (laughs) want me to come back. And again, we're running on zero income, (laughs) basically. Just running on faith. (laughs) Yeah, just on faith. And um, so I was managing that building and Heather was already there. Heather had come from being a set free secretary to over there at Riverside. We were upstairs. I mean, we were, it, ah, we had one whiteout, and that's a big room up there, and Heather and I would share it and throw it from person to person <laughs> when we needed it. It was hilarious. And so um, it was still supposed to be a drug-free environment, and um, there were some things that came up. And every time I'd pull up in the driveway, all the tenants would run and slam their doors on rent day. <laughs> <laughs> I would pound on your door. All I got is $11, and I would stick my hand out. Give me that $11. (laughs) So what was the – and I have to throw in a question because you say – you mentioned that you were doing in-home care. Yes. Was there anything that you learned from doing that that transferred to what you ended up doing with Rogue Retreat? Um, empathy, mm-hmm. compassion, um, belief, mm-hmm. knowing that life can be better for people with a little bit of love and care and guidance. Um, 
all of those tools fall in place for both jobs. Because really, in-home care is something, and fortunately, I don't, you know, have to do it. But there are a lot of people who especially are in end-of-life situations Mm -hmm. where, and I, I found out recently, and Matt knows this about a very good friend of mine that I, Uh, dealt with at the genealogy library where it once was. And this person is having to experience that. And they're having to go through in-home health care and all the stuff like that. And and not everybody is really good at doing that. Yeah, I had a few clients that were end-of-life hospice. Um, You have to work with a team of nurses that come in and teach you things to do and give you the scheduling. And um, one lady in particular, she knew she was, you know, terminally ill. So she allowed me to pick out a possession of hers. The one I wanted, she didn't want to give up. (laughs) But um, she gave me these three angels that hang on the wall. I still have them to this day. And her sisters were so grateful that I was there till the end. And we were really good friends for years after. And then they relocated and lost track. But, um, yeah, and I've worked in memory facilities. And you got a lot of end of life there. And, and sometimes there's surprises. You go do your two-hour check and, and somebody's gone. And then oh. Major deal, you got to call your managers, you know, they got to call all the appropriate people, and that's rough, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the last one I worked with, I was with for 17 years. Oh, my goodness! Oh, that's tremendous, yeah. This rope retreat thing, we were trying to figure it out, and Chad remembered back to 2001, and I said, Mmm. What about the house on Ivy? <laughs> I think it was a little sooner than 2001, but I could be wrong. Yeah. So here we are now, I don't know, 16, 20, 22 years later. Yeah, it's insane. Um, so you were talking about the um, house on Mace um, mm-hmm. um, and that you would show up on rent day and everybody would kind no, of No, that was Riverside. That was Riverside? Yeah, because I was managing the women's house and doing Riverside at the same time. Do you ever look back and see some of those experiences and then look at the way that our program is operated now? Oh, yes. And see how that experience kind of led us down this pathway that we currently oh, yes. are? Yes. What, what's that like to have that kind of, to have been there for, for those moments? Well, we knew that because of some of the issues that we ran into over there, that it had to change. Mm-hmm. Um, there had to be more structure mm-hmm. um, stability. You can't just rent apartments out to people. Right. Um, Which because, is kind of like the warehousing thing that Chad talks about. We're not into. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Somewhere along the line, I used to call Heather the form queen. I thought she was a genius, and then I found out she was just Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'd ask her for help, she'd say, Google it. And I'd go out for 20 minutes, 45 minutes, and I'd come back, and i go, please, I know you can do it in three seconds. <laughs> and she says, for somebody so mechanically inclined, you sure intellectually challenged me. I still am. It's awful. It's so, I hate it. I hate it. I'd rather just do everything on paper. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's awfully difficult, though, because if you, and I don't know, I think I would take issue with her saying 
intellectually challenged because what the difference is, you have to learn to know how Google or any search engine works. And some people need to find the information in a quicker way. And that's the reason I think like, for example, that, uh, you know, voice activated search may be the salvation for those that don't just want to have to do this and take uh, massive amounts of time just going through stuff. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Exactly. It's like link, 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 link. Yeah. And I'm very specific about exactly. what I'm searching for. I want it to come straight up. And I'm just mad as all get out that I don't have a phone book. <laughs> oh, you're just <laughs> him, though. But I hated phone books for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No. Yeah, because I will Google it something and it gives me all this crazy stuff. And it's like, I just need a phone number. And then exactly. I'll, call the, I'll call the 411 or whatever it is. And I'll tell them what I need, and they give me the wrong thing. Of course. uh, Of course. So, Cindy, you did a lot of years volunteering before you even got a paycheck. Oh, yes. I started getting paid as a real employee in 2009. My goodness. So, that's like, I don't know. So, this 11-year work anniversary is really just your 11 years work anniversary of getting paid. Um, But it's really more like 20 years of service. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, and I know that you've, um, you've touched a lot of people in, with the work that you're doing. Um, are there any stories or moments that kind of stand out to you that kind of keep you coming back? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of the employees that work for us now were um, my clients. And one of the ones that stands out for me is Shardwina. Mm. I love Shardwina. And um, she would hide from me (laughs) (laughs) on inspection day. She would always make sure she was unavailable. (laughs) And Justin would be the one to, you know, walk with me and fix things that needed to be straightened up. And I would always ask, where's Charlena? Oh, well, she's off here, there. She just don't want to be here. And... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she's one of the ones that stand out. Jamie, um, that's an amazing story yeah. about how Jamie got first employed, the, the road that we had to travel together to get there. She had applied for a job, and um, they told her that if she got her teeth done, that they would hire her. And I encourage her all the way because that's the thing you need to do. But I wanted to let her know not to really get her hopes up because for me, promises are made to be broken. Mm-hmm. But she got the job. She moved up the ladder. Um, she went and managed another place in Grants Pass. And then Chad snatched her up like does most of our employees <laughs> from everywhere else. And she's now in HR. Um And just the other day, I had a client from the village show up here that um, is coming back to us. She's been out there, and I just saw her, and I just hugged her and hugged her while she cried. Those are the things that stand out, the accomplishments. Oh, the families reuniting. That was great. At Riverside, when we first opened, um, a lot of when we were a program, a lot of the women coming into Riverside I'd meet with the DHS workers um, and children were in foster care. And they said, well, you know, 
We'll see how this goes. Next thing I know, the next day, they're turning kids over. It was awesome. Just awesome that things were happening really fast for these people. But I will say one thing, if you don't mind me breaking in. Jamie, and Matt will get what I'm going to say here. Jamie is one of the people that really stands out for me. Yes, May 8th is the day. (laughs) So um, we recorded a birthday card, and there was a funny interaction between Jamie and Lindsay that um, scared Stan because it was funny, but he wanted to delete it. (laughs) Well, the reason it scared me. He hit the wrong button and deleted all of his computer files. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. not kidding me at all. Oh, <laughs> that was because I'm thinking, you know how things get started in social media. <laughs> the wrong oh, email yeah. saved yes. it, or, you know, we know many politicians have had that problem. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, if I do this, and that little audio clip is found in my machine by some nefarious person, I'm going to be in <laughs> big trouble. So I, 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 I was in a hurry, and bam. That Friday made stands out in ways I don't like to think about. Oh, my. Sorry. That would make me crazy. Before I left for Hawaii this year, um, I needed an app deleted on my phone. And one of the other employees said, I can do that for you. <laughs> oh, man. Took my phone back to factory setting. Oh, no. Oh, no. Lost oh. all my phone numbers, everything. Because you know what? We don't have phone books anymore. No, we really don't. <laughs> not no. even personal phone books. I'm always telling myself I'm going to write the numbers down, but relatives that are out of state are pretty much the same. And I know my daughter's number and the husband because it's identical to mine, just the last number has changed. So I had a little bit of uh, foot up on it. Well, not you, much, you, know, but you know, in a way, though, it was a full, full employment act for Charlie because <laughs> we ended up having to configure because other things happened at the same time. And I finally <laughs> decided I better get a Windows 10 update and buy a new computer. And now I have a different computer and, and things are back to where they should be. We're glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that we're all getting new computers. And that one I've got, I hate. I like my old one better. It seemed to be easier. I don't know. <laughs> So Once I, now that I've everything configured, I love this new one. I mean, it's just nice. Yeah, awesome. nice. Charlie did an excellent job. So if people need any kind of computers that they need to buy, uh, Charlie is your person. He Rome has to be knows. guided along sometimes, but he does the job. The go-to guy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Cindy, um, with the home health care and then also your work for retreat, it seems like helping people has been kind of your life's mission. Oh, my. My whole life that I know of probably started when I was 19. Mm -hmm. I had two 14-year-olds, and I talked to their parents that didn't want to live at home anymore. My one rule was you go to school while I go to work. So it started back when I was 19, and I just turned 64. So, yeah, I've been doing this a long time. I've had people live in tents in my backyard. (laughs) I've had people park their cars in my backyard. I mean, yeah, it's been going on a long time before I – even before I was with Rover Treat, when I was just young. Do you find that people that need help just kind of naturally find you? Yes, I used to feel like I ran around with a big flashing V on my head that said, (laughs) 
<laughs> you are so nice. Yeah, absolutely. I've been pretty lucky not to have anybody um, take from me, except when we did move um, the girls over from Mace to my house. I did have one that was robbing me. Oh, but one of the other girls called me, and it was it was a shit show. But it was okay. Yeah. It wasn't so bad. Everything came back, and we found stuff outside the fence down the end. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, but sometimes things happen. Yep. And rumor has it you're also an animal lover. Oh Lord. Um, the church they used to call me Mrs. Doolittle. <laughs> Whenever they had an issue going on, they'd say, Call Cindy. <laughs> yes, I have a house full. Not as much as I've had before. Uh, one time I had somebody ask me, Do you know how many animals you have? And I said, No. They counted 37. Whoa! <laughs> That is that is insane. Birds, frogs, cats, possums, dogs, ferrets, oh, hedgehogs. I used to breed hedgehogs for Nui Kai. Yeah, I've been a busy person. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, for a lot of our folks that are are joining us, I mean, uh, I mean, even when I just started on staff here a couple years ago, we were under twenty. Um, we could fit in the conference room upstairs. I was two. Right, you were number two. Um, (laughs) but now we're over sixty staff. I know, it's insane. It is. And uh, there's going to be a lot of program staff that are just kind of starting their journey um, in doing this work. You've done this job for a long time. And one of the things I know is that this type of work can burn people out. How do you keep yourself centered to where you can keep coming back? That's the compliment that Liz gave me. I still love it when I need my heart warmed up. She Mm -hmm. said... um, told me basically I was amazing. Most people are burned out by five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never even realized that you could get burned out loving people. Oh, wow. Uh, it's just, I, I, mm, I do get frustrated sometimes. And sometimes I got to bring the hammer down. Um, but I always explain why. I have one right now that I've done it with. It's like, get back to town or I'm putting you up for abandonment. <laughs> You're an MIA. <laughs> and uh, she did. She showed it the appropriate time yesterday that I gave her. And most people know that I'm pretty no-nonsense. And I think they understand that I probably care more about you and your life than you do at this mm-hmm. moment about right. your own and that um, what I'm doing is, and, and they hear stories from other people that, and probably other employees, that they're where they're at because I was persistent. There's another word for that too, but I don't recall what it is. It's not such a nice word. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? I, I always like what goes on. I mean, I'm going to say this. You're... You may be number two, but you're number one in the lives of many. And I don't see you very often, so to speak. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> always love it when I do. You're no, always so um, Crack me up. You know, um, my, my favorite thing is just the random conversations that um, we get to have in passing. Um, and, and also just hearing your stories because at the same time too, you and Harold and, um, and Chad, but you and Harold in particular, um, I love just listening to you guys talk about things. Um, 
about the old stories of Roker Street and everything. It was part of what me and Chad and everybody talked about wanting to catalog so that we could market it one day as the story of Roker Street. My mother always told me <laughs> I should write a book. Uh, Matt, one day I'm coming down the stairs chattering and he goes, he says, I'd be worried if you weren't talking to yourself. I said, I would do. Well, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Don't Absolutely. don't let anybody you know get on your case about that. Just keep okay. doing what you're doing. But, I, I often have conversations, or I'm thinking out loud. I recently went out to eat with a roommate of mine, and he was on his phone, and I asked a question, and I answered it. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked him, I said, did I just answer that question? And he looks up from his phone, and he says, I think you did. I said, oh, now we got to worry. Right. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever done it. <laughs> so, Cindy, um, I mean, I, I you definitely know the mission of Rogue Retreat, that our, our purpose is to provide opportunities for the homeless to have hope. Yeah. You oftentimes get to encounter people and bring people in when they're at a place of hopelessness. What is your yeah. message to them to get them to keep pushing forward or to open their eyes to something they're maybe not seeing to find some hope? I think some of the things that they see in my office, the encouragement and the positive statements, um, a lot of times they'll look around and they'll pick something special. I have these little cards that they can pick on a, each time they come into case management, kind of like promise cards, but they're different. Mm -hmm. um, if it touches their heart, they go, oh, I said, oh, you can keep that one. <laughs> um, but I want to know what it is. And I just continue to let them know that they need to believe what I believe about them. Mm -hmm. And like I said, some just take longer than others. And then sometimes that light bulb goes on and I'm not saying everybody's can be rescued, but we got people that come back second and third times. And I always, always welcome them back. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can do it. You're here. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Um, and I usually, Chad once said, listen to my gut feelings. We were having a discussion and my instincts were just telling me. And he wanted me to explain how, and I, I don't know how, but I know the ones that will, and I know the ones that are going to fight, probably because I've been doing it so long. And it's not so much that they fight you. They just have been used up. Mm -hmm. They've been sucked dry by life. Um, they probably feel like they're running around with that big V that says victim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I encourage them because a lot of my clients ride the bus that if they see anybody from the days, you just say no and go keep mm -hmm. moving. You don't even got to be socially polite, mm -hmm. stay on track, stay focused, you know, walk that path that's in front of you. And it, it comes to them. It really does. It comes to them. They're, they are, um, oh, it's like the girls that go to school. They're so freaked out when they're going to take a test. And I'm telling them, you're going to pull a 97 on this. <laughs> and, and they almost always do. Um, I forgot the question. <laughs> but do you think part of it is? Them to have hope? Yeah. Yep. I just do keep telling think, them. part of the problem for those that, you know, end up never succeeding is and I I don't want to put words in your mouth but I sometimes think just by some of the things that I've seen through life is that they're fighting with themselves and they're 
fighting with themselves. And it's almost like they're fighting inner demons. Yeah. That, and they also feel like they don't deserve better. Right. Um, a lot of them suffer from childhood trauma that they mm-hmm. carry with them into adulthood. Some people just can't let go. Um, the ones that play victim are the ones that use all those excuses. Um, I recently unpacked some stuff from one of my offices, and it's a a saying about it's not your parents, it's not the economy, it's not this, it's not that. Um, it actually comes down to your choices. Mm-hmm. Because we can choose right from wrong, good from bad. We all have that ability. Um, It comes at a very early age. And even though at an early age when you've suffered trauma, you don't know any better than what you're told. Somewhere along the line in your life, you learn it. You just learn that what happened was really, really wrong. And it has nothing to do with you. It, It wasn't you that caused it. Yeah. But I would put a nuance there, Cindy. I mean, you can tell me I'm full of it. I've been told that before. What, what did he ask me? But I think part of it is that uh, you can't have a choice if you don't know what your choices are. That's what we do. I know. How I know that. What those choices need to be to take that baby step forward. Like you have discussions about it. You know, what's yeah. your goal? For me, that five-year goal, asking somebody that's fresh and new is like, ask me where I'm going to be in 20 years. I, I have no clue. If you'd have asked me in my first year, I would have told you I was going to be a rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a scary thought. There with them. It's like, what do you need to get done tomorrow for yourself? Mm-hmm. Because I it? can only relate to, you know, me because I, I was, you know, told, really in a sort of way uh, uh, that you know what you can't do mm-hmm. not what you can do if you, you know, in my case there are modifications and everything else. now I'm doing what I love doing uh, nice. pro- pro- probably the first time in my life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and, and I'm able to still you know, do radio like I used to do years ago, but now I feel more comfortable in my own skin. Absolutely. That helps when you're doing something you love and you're accomplished at it. That helps you get comfortable in your own skin. And I'm around people I love every time, you know, even when I'm not at Rogue Retreat. And I'm not, this is not meant to be a sales job. Maybe, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is everybody there I feel like I'm connected Mm -hmm. it's like that and I don't come in as often as I used to but every time I do it's like I love this and (laughs) it's so bizarre and and well, um, I hate to have to um, to pump oh, our brakes. Oh wait, Harold got more time. He did, but um, <laughs> but we then then Chad yelled at us. He wanted us to get these down to a half hour or lower, and oh. so um, so we're trying to condense it. And I have, of course, what he does know is I have the ability ability to make them in two parts if I want. To. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also have a tour um, coming up at ten o'clock with. Oh well, then get to her. <laughs> well, I certainly hope that some of your questions were answered about 
how I do things. It, and it's not about how I do it. It's about how they do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because it's about them. And when they do find the thing they love, some people like fast food. I, that one's beyond me, but I'm happy where I'm at. I always encourage them to get a job where they could climb a ladder. And, and I have one amazing girl. Uh, and it's probably the first one, maybe the second one I've ever had that is really focused and knows where she's going to be in five years. I don't know how we got her, but we did. All so, right. Yeah, just love them. You just got to love them and, and help them and hold their hands, give them whatever it is they need. And they'll keep coming back. Absolutely. All right, Stan, you want to take us home? I'm already home. Oh. <laughs> and, and Cindy, I want to thank you for um, allowing us our third attempt at doing this, and I'm glad it finally worked. And, I hope so. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs>